Welcome to the Birthful Podcast. I'm Adriana Lozada, and today we continue to talk with new dad, Jeremy Buchek, about his pregnancy, labor, birth, and postpartum experience. In part one, we left off just as things were moving into active labor. Today, we continue from there through the birth and into postpartum, where Jeremy shares the trauma he experienced, what helped him get through it, and the joy of becoming a dad. Stay tuned. This episode of Birthful is brought to you by CanvasPeople.com, a super easy to use photo to canvas service that takes your favorite photo memories and turns them into beautiful artwork for you to enjoy and admire every day. Use my unique promo code Birthful to get a free 11 by 14 canvas. Yep, I said free. All you pay for is shipping. Go get it at CanvasPeople.com. The Birthful Podcast, talking to maternity pros to inform your intuition. Hello, Mighty Parents and Parents-to-be. Thanks for listening and for all your messages. This week especially, I'm so very thankful for every single one of you. As you might have heard in the intro, we have a new sponsor. Yay, new sponsor. I have teamed up with a lovely group that I will refer to as my podcast fairies, <laughs> my podcast ad fairies. And so in the future, you will be hearing about many different sponsors and most importantly, be getting some really cool offers like the one I mentioned just a few seconds ago. If you love what you hear, then check them out because a truly great way to support this podcast is by supporting its sponsors. That is a fabulous way to keep the content coming your way. So please do that. Awesome. Also, Thanksgiving is tomorrow in the US. And if you live there, I hope you have a very happy day surrounded by loved ones. And if you don't, I also hope you have a very happy day surrounded by loved ones. Many of you have taken advantage, have jumped on the birthful pre-Thanksgiving and through Cyber Monday Super Sale, where both my birth partner's toolkit and my Thrive With Your Newborn Postpartum Preparation classes are 50% off. This offer is still good through next week. And you don't need a coupon code or anything. Just go to birthful.com and click the links to what you want. At this prices, frankly, you might just want to get them both. Learn more at birthful.com. All right. When we left off last week with Jeremy Buchek, we had made it through triage and a not so fun try for a blood draw. And then also some great advocacy work by Jeremy himself. Jennifer was just about to get into the labor room. Here's what happened next. So they, they agreed and we moved to a delivery room. Yeah. And, and she went into the tub almost immediately. We kind of settled in there. Yep. Uh, it got her in the tub. Um, the tub for me, it felt like went by, I don't even know how, how long she was in the tub, but for me, it felt like maybe half an hour, but I know that it was hours. It was a little longer than that. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I don't quite, I'm trying to remember. I don't have the notes in front of me, but, but yeah, but what, but after a while, the nurse came in and is like, can we try this thing again? Yeah. Um, yeah. But but she was in a very in a much more comfortable position. Lights dimmed in the water, you know. Had had a rhythm going. Was starting to cocoon and settle in. Yeah. Yes, and so she was in the tub. I just looked at the notes for an hour and a half, mm-hmm. and it really did. It felt like maybe twenty minutes, and uh, it was dark. It was quiet. You did this really cool thing with the light. I think it was the exam light. You shined it away from the door, but had it reflecting off of the door. 
and shining into the room and there were no actual lights on in the bathroom and uh, the door was cracked. It was a really nice, calming uh, environment. And Jen was in there laboring in the tub. And it's funny because the faucet had a leak and it annoyed me at first, but working into it, it, it was really kind of tranquil. Mm. And she was, you know, rolling on one side and then she tried the other side and um, going through the contractions and they came in to do uh, the blood draw and they poked her four more times mm-hmm. trying to get four individual times trying to get uh, what was it two vials of blood out and she was definitely dehydrated that would have been a moment to say hmm how about some just do the heplock and some IV fluids but that was a different step right we weren't sure she right. wanted to take that step right and uh, asking her at that point it would have would have been the same answer of no let's wait a little bit longer um, now looking back at it she was very dehydrated definitely should have should have done that uh, and if she maybe if she wasn't throwing up as part of the entire process leading up to getting to the hospital uh, it could have been a different story but she was and couldn't keep anything down so they they went through and they poked her four times and it was a little bit more it was it was actually five times it was four times and I called it again. I said, listen, can, can we just stop? Stop poking her. You're not getting it. Um, you're not hitting a vein. You're not getting where it needs to be. Can we stop and just postpone it? Because Jen's physically in pain, getting poked and going through a contraction. And she hates needles. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> she rolled around and, and looked right at the nurse. And I'm trying to remember her exact words, but it was something like, Make you have one shot. You better make it happen, or something like that. And she, she poked her a fifth time and got it, and actually got the blood to come out and took her two vials. And Jen was left alone again. And I'm like, there you go. And I think it uh, looks like about thirty-five minutes later is when she came out of the tub. Mm. And that's a great point that you make also about the. The time warp, like time just, it's birth time is different. It warps and things are faster and slower all at the same time. And you have no idea. Like, like you said, you know, being in the tub felt like 20 minutes, but it was an hour and a half. Yeah, it ebbs and flows for sure. There were a couple of them that felt like an hour or two and it was only like 10 minutes. And that was much less than, I was surprised how quickly it went. It felt like we were in that room for 20, 30 minutes maybe. And, and the notes here say it's hour and a half. Mm-hmm. She got out of the tub at 10.50 and kind of, you know, got dried off as much as she could while having a contraction and wrapped her in a towel, I think, and then maybe a blanket or maybe just a blanket. But it was kind of nice because Jen is a very uh, – she doesn't ever want to make a mess. She doesn't want to inconvenience people. She doesn't want to, to be a burden on anyone. And to see her just standing there dripping in her suit and not really care that the floor is getting wet mm-hmm. was a true sign that like, she's somewhere else. She's working on something right now. And that's that's active labor. Like, it, it's different. And so she, she uh, felt dehydrated, and we started talking about getting IV fluids and adding that headlock. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had talked about, you had brought up the pattern that the contractions were having and how they were, um, they were not giving her a rest. So they would go up, she'd breathe through them, they'd come down at the point where it would be a rest, it would stop short. And it fe- she would feel like she would have to go through them again, and it would go up. 
And so everybody was discussing and she decided to do the uh, IVs and get the IV and get some, some fluids. Yeah, and I can only describe that pattern as it feels like a crampy pattern. And then what a mom might say when that's happening is like, she's like, and I think Jen did say this, like, they're not really going away. It's lingering. It's sticking around. Right. You know, they should go away unless it's imminent to be fully dilated, that super heavy transition, which might get some camelbacks in it. But that doesn't last for hours. And she was having, yeah, the pattern was kind of irregular and it was kind of like, eh, I'm not sure. Okay. Like that like, crampy contractions is the best as I can describe it, that sometimes fluids really can help with that. Especially if yeah, you've and, been throwing up as much as she had. And don't be afraid to talk about it. Yeah. Um, Jen doesn't know. She doesn't have all the answers. And this is a first time. She's a first time mom. She she didn't know uh, that this was going to happen. This wasn't something that we could plan for. So when we started discussing it, it really was a conversation. It was, you know, how do you feel about this? How do you feel about getting the headlock? What can I do to help the situation? Um and the the decision ended up with okay let's get the headlock let's let's move this along she was the the want and the urge to progress this labor really won out over any kind of fear of needles anymore you know that was that's yeah. not what it was anymore and it wasn't just about the the contraction pattern and it not lingering she was also getting to a place where what she was realizing was like, I don't think I can do this. I don't like she was feeling not great, which is yeah, different not, from uncomfortable or the pain of the contractions or the, the intense. It was different from that intensity. It was like an overlay on top of that of yes, not great of not sustainable. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it was a very lucid moment, too. It was a very factual conversation that occurred and the decision was made to have uh iv which was different than you know 20 30 straight minutes in the tub of um contractions coming in and out you know jen was distant mm -hmm. she was dealing with this and to have that lucidity all of a sudden so heavy and so clear it's like wow okay let's do this let's be very logical about it get these fluids in and um so what they did was they brought in uh, some sort of specialist at Finding Vein, mm -hmm. and she put in a little bit of Novocaine under the skin and uh, ended up getting the Heplock in and on and uh, fluids going. And then they used, I don't remember what that was called, a pressure bag or something? That yeah, actually they, pushed. yeah, it, it was, it, it, so it's like, they. it's a, this thing that pumps the bag so that it's, it's getting some pressure so that the fluids flow as quickly as possible in. Yeah. And I think she went through two and a half bags between then and, uh, moving to the, to the recovery room. Um, they, she got, a, she needed a lot of fluids, yeah. but once At that, that really point, started, she got just one big bag. Yeah. And once that started kicking in, man, what a difference, what a difference. And I think that was the beauty of it as well, because it's like we we saw the veins were confirming the problem. She was starting to feel not so great. And it's like, hmm, there's something else here. Let's try to help you feel better. And then the fluids went in and like not immediately, but like half an hour in when when she'd gotten them, you could see it's a difference between feeling like 
really horribly dehydrated when you feel shitty and and <laughs> when you feel like oh i'm i'm great like that's a big difference yeah, it's like when a hangover lifts yes yeah <laughs> and, wow, and that's kind of okay. how it was she her demeanor completely changed and she was in it again yeah absolutely and she was approaching it like an athletic event again mm-hmm. and and so i guess uh that happened at around 12 12 30 i think um she looks like oh i we also had some of these little uh they're called shop blocks which are just little electrolyte energy gel things that um this is the first time that she wasn't in a ton of pain that uh, now she was getting breaks so she ate a couple of these gels she started feeling rehydrated feeling a little bit better like we're going to tackle this and that's when uh, she i see here that's when she really got back on the on the bed and things started happening. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I have a, go ahead. The water broke at one at one PM. So it was within <laughs> a half an hour. I mean that that IV bag kicked things off quickly. Now me as the partner, yes. throughout this whole time, it's it's funny because I have to keep going at these notes and looking at the notes because it's already faded over the last month. And the emotion and the adrenaline was there throughout the whole time but there wasn't a lot i could do so it was a lot of me just supporting her just being there with her telling her that i'm here um well, some people but, but, but like it's gonna be okay yeah but that is huge jeremy like that level of reassurance and when she's doubting herself you know her better than anybody else so saying hey you can do this you're yeah. doing it like that is it sounds like not a big deal but it is an it i like all doulas that are listening go like yeah that's an enormous deal it makes an enormous difference because just the believing that she can do it she'll go like oh or the calm well i guess this is a, like there's a reflection of it if she opens her eyes and sees reassurance or opens her eyes and sees calm she's like well i guess i can do this because you're telling me i can and everybody's super calm. Everything's good. So, all right, I'll just go back in. Yeah, and you know that was the that was the time too that um, I was up by her head. That's when she switched sides, and you and I switched. And uh, I was up by her head and by her face, and looking right at her. And whether I tried to make it a point that whether her eyes were closed or open or you know anywhere in between, I was right there looking at her making eye contact, whether her eyelids were open or not. And the look that she would give me every time she opened my eyes and it was right there was mm -hmm. just reassurance. She was, she was comforted by it. And so there was some discussion in this time too. Um, Jen was saying that, you know, I can't do this or I, I'm going to fail. And uh, I don't know if I can, I can keep going. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And a lot of doubts started creeping in. And I knew that she could. And at one point you came and asked me what the code word was, because by the way, we totally forgot the birth plan. Like we wrote it, um, we went through it. We knew going into it that the birth plan, prepare to change it and all that. And we didn't even take it out of the bag. It was you know, in the anyway. car. It was still left in the car in the wrong <laughs> bag. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was in the car. And I remember you coming over to me and asking me, what was the code word you guys came up with? So we got to explain what the code yeah, word is. But before we do that, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. 
Thanksgiving is tomorrow, and for my family, that usually means lots of food and grandparents and aunts taking tons of pictures, especially of the kids. And as much as we all love taking those pictures, more often than not, they stay on a hard drive somewhere, never to be seen again. Which is a total shame because at the end of the day, what the extended family really wants is to capture that time when your kids are little, and also be able to look at those images often. So this year, I'm gonna solve that problem and the problem of what to get. Said grandparents for the holidays with the help of CanvasPeople.com. Canvas People has a super easy to use photo to canvas service that takes your favorite photo memories and turns them into beautiful artwork. I personally had to try it out for myself before being able to recommend it to you, right? And to tell you the truth, the hardest part was choosing the photo. The uploading and ordering process is very intuitive, and my canvas arrived sooner than I expected. It was super fast. And of course, it looks great. You can tell that Canvas people really pride themselves in their workmanship, but not just by looking at the front. Also, when you, I, I was very surprised about the the detail that they put into the back. Mine came with a sawtooth hanger and two wall protectors in the lower back corner, so that neither the wall nor the canvas was going to get scuffed or damaged. I am sure this attention to detail is why they have over one million happy customers. Want to try it for yourself? You are in luck because I have a sweet deal for you. You can get an 11 by 14 canvas for free. All you have to do is pay shipping. To get this amazing deal, go to canvaspeople.com and use Birthful in the cart at checkout. Pick an image that will make you smile and turn it into a beautiful work of art for you or for your extended family. Go to canvaspeople.com and use the promo code Birthful. Okay, and we're back, and so yeah, the code word. Ninety-nine percent of the time, at, in, during transition, labor in person is going to say, "I can't do this. I need some help," and you know that can mean they're really, really close. So, with somebody that really wants a non-medicated vaginal birth, I always set up a code word that way. You know, partner and doula know that unless mom says this word, if she says she can't do it, we're gonna say yes, you can. Just get through this one, and yeah. there's a reassurance that you're not forcing her, and also that she knows that she's not like dismissively not being heard. She knows that unless she brings out that word, that's what's gonna happen. But if she says, you know, peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> All bets are off. We're gonna all hands on deck. Are you gonna switch things up? Yeah, and um, Jen was really, really. Uh, she really had her hopes set on a natural vaginal birth, knowing, however, that if it didn't happen, it wasn't the end of the world. And I think because of her mentality, she likes to challenge herself. So I think that this was one of those ways that she challenged herself with one of the biggest challenges of her life. Mm -hmm. And that was to do this naturally. And so um, we had quite a few conversations about this beforehand and that had, she never wavered from it. So when you asked about developing a code word at our meeting, we went back home and Jen and I were talking like, what, what would the code word be? And we came up with some goofy stuff like, I don't, I don't know, a purple sweater or something like that. Something you'd never say. Mm -hmm. And I just, we both came to the conclusion that the code word is epidural, right? If Chen asks for it, we're in it. 
-hmm. which is funny. It's really funny because when the birth was going on and we were talking about, or Jen was discussing how uh, she doesn't know if she can do this. She's going to fail. She's actually talking about, she doesn't know if she can do this without medication. She doesn't know. She thinks she's going to fail at a natural birth. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't a fail or a pass kind of thing. It was a, everything's different. Everybody's different. It's what works for people. And I loved the part where you came to me and asked what the code word was. And I said, I don't know. I forgot, but it's not, it hasn't been said yet. And I I thought that was very, it was kind of me displaying a hundred percent faith in Jen and her ability to push past that mental wall. Because I, I know Jen, I know her more than the better than anyone else. And I know what she can, what she's capable of, but also walking that fine line between what she's capable of and pushing her to her absolute uh her her pinnacle of performance or going past it and withholding something that she wants Mm -hmm. and that's a tough line but i had everything in me telling me she's not there yet well and the thing is usually like I get that code word at some point before, but during the second meeting, you guys didn't know it yet. You didn't have it. And then I I forgot to ask again. And she was saying these things. I was like, oh, man, I don't know the code word. But we also had the nurse and the midwife close by and they were kind of getting antsy. And I could see they were moving towards offering some pain medication just because she was saying, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can do this for a long time. And I didn't want them to offer her anything because that was her like originally what we talked about in the birth plan that was in the bag um so yeah yeah is that her she actually is the one to say it first right so so then i was like okay all right i don't know what it is it doesn't matter it hasn't been said yet so then i like took the nurse aside and went like they have a code word unless she says it we keep on going and then when the (laughs) midwife also was like well you know we could help you and i was like "Mm, come over here i like took her aside it's like code word she hasn't said it it's like oh okay so then everybody was on board with the same you know we're like okay she's okay there is a plan for this good (laughs) we will keep continue we will continue the path yeah and it it was it was kind of funny that like i forgot the code word i forgot that was as simple as epidural because we talked about it after the meeting on like, what are we going to be able to remember in the moment? Mm-hmm. I, I who knows orange ruler, uh, <laughs> the big Lebowski. I mean, it could have been anything and I didn't want to be able to miss it. So it's like, you know what, let's just make it the actual word. If you ask for this, you're going to get it. Well, I do also remember that she, during that time, she was like, I, but how do I know if I'm progressing? I don't know if I'm progressing. I yeah. like don't know if I'm progressing. And shortly thereafter, her water broke. And boy, did it. Boy, did it break. And was that ever a sign of progress? Like, yeah, it, <laughs> it was, <laughs> it was really spectacular. So, uh... It, it had meconium in it because she was overdue by six days. Yeah. So it, it was not the the movie theater kind of clear water balloon that falls on the floor. Well, and also she was laying down. Flash. Yeah, she was on her side with on one her, leg up. On her side and had the super sexy mesh panties on. Oh, those things are sweet. They're fantastic. I think, 
I think we have some upstairs. I like to wear them every now and again just to get a good laugh. Nice. So that's the other on your head. <laughs> no, that's the other thing that like people need to know. Grab as many as those as you can and take them home. It's funny because Jen loves them, loved them. Now she's you know back super happy that she gets to wear her pre-pregnancy underwear. But that those helped out a lot because they stretch so much to accommodate for this giant pad to catch any sort of blood and the ice padsicle on top of that or under it. It just made her much more comfortable having those mesh underwear. And she was wearing them when her water broke. And And, and yeah, so they ballooned. (laughs) Like there was so much force behind that water that for a split second, it was like ballooned and then it soaked through. Yeah. It definitely pushed them out and then, went shooting back up and Jen's first response is, yeah. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. Funny. Which points to the glamorous aspects of birth. And there was, I think, you know, the, so the, the throwing up was one that you weren't expecting. Um, yeah. I don't know if you necessarily were expecting this crazy gush of water with meconium. I'm sure she was not expecting it. <laughs> she was it's not like no, I'm not like that. I was <laughs> right. Um, and then there's the and we're gonna like I'm moving ahead, but there the the there was a lot of blood. There is blood as the baby comes out. Like part of it, the that part of the baby's being born and then placenta being delivered includes some amount of blood loss that the body sort of compensates for. And, you know, it's one thing to remember that pregnant moms have a lot of extra blood volume going through them that is built up through pregnancy to support the baby and, you know, the whole process of pregnancy that also allows them to have extra stores for this blood loss that occurs when the baby is born. That's a great way to put it. Um, but you weren't expecting that. We hadn't talked about that. We hadn't talked about the levels. Mm-hmm. Saying there's going to be blood when there's when a baby's born is one thing, but um, the amount that Jen lost was quite another. Before dipping into this, I'm yeah originally from Colorado, and I spent a large chunk of my teenage years, if not most of them, out in eastern Colorado on farms. So I've seen the birth of countless animals, whether it's goats, sheep, horses, cows, pigs, whatever it is, I'm not new to that type of birthing, to, to birth in general. And um, there's even a calving season where you have to make sure that the calves can come out. And sometimes you have to get out and pull on their little feet and get them all the way out. So I don't get grossed out very easily, especially when it comes to you know the wonder of bringing life into this earth. Mm-hmm. And nothing about the birth grossed me out and it was almost the opposite i felt strange because you know when people smell babies they like sniff their head and they're like oh babies always smell so good mm-hmm. the jen's amniotic fluid and amniotic fluids smelled that way so as soon as her water broke it smelled like a baby in the room to me yeah, nope. and and that's the smell of like birth does have a smell. It's very earthy, and that smell of the baby's head afterwards. Like, what else is it going to smell like if not amniotic fluid? Right, and so what I was, you know, earthy. I think of other things like a beet. You know, <laughs> that's okay. earthy. No, not like a the, beet. The yeah. Smell, yeah, no, it, it 
to me, if I had to pick it out, it smells like ylang ylang essential oil. Huh. It smells like a baby. <laughs> that okay. wonderful, kind of sweet, makes you feel cozy or think of some the last baby that you were around that's, a, that's you know, under, I don't know, six months. So having her water break, I was just, I was totally expecting something else. I was expecting something uh, not so much earthy, but something maybe on the unpleasant side. And it wasn't. It was just one of those things. And all of a sudden it was everywhere. And it smelled like a baby in the room, which was like an actual baby. Like when you smell their head, it was wild. And I was just, at that moment, I was already smelling and taking in the very first glimpses of, of my daughter, mm. right? Of, of what she is, of what her essence is at that moment. And it, it kind of was an awakening and like, we are so close. I got super, super excited and inside and like, you can do this and helped her through. And, you know, it was only, uh, oh man, it was only but 30, 30 or so minutes later after her water broke that, that Eloise was born. So that was when it really started for me. So if we want to transition back into the transition, <laughs> I see what you did back there. in, back into, into the next part. That was something that I, I didn't expect to have zero issue with. I thought it would just be like, Oh, you know, just kind of got to push past that kind of smell in the room. And no, it was wonderful. It was like, it's baby cologne. Oh, see, and I've it, never heard it described that way, and that is lovely. Like, and and, and the yeah. fact that that connected you with your baby already before she was born, you were like, oh, like it's like it. It was like a big perfume of her around you. That's fantastic, Jeremy. I love that. It sounds gross, but it's not. It's the furthest thing from gross ever could be. It, it was. I everybody knows what a baby smells like. Mm. You smell the baby's head, and you're like. And you steal some of their youth, right? <laughs> Give me a little bit. You can spare a day or two. Give and, that whiff, yeah. Yeah, right? And it's like, oh, and that's what it smells like. Mm -hmm. It's wonderful. It's not It's not anything like uh, anything negative. And it's just amazing. So at that point, I was excited. I was like, let's let's get this going. Let's, let's see what Jen can do, you know? Mm -hmm. like, I have all the faith in the world in her. I have... I'm right here coaching the best I can, giving her everything I got. And I don't have to think about anything else because you're taking care of it. It, it was just such a cool final stretch. Mm. Yeah. And it took a turn for me internally. How so cool. The blood. Right. I am not, I'm not queasy at all. I have no issue with blood and, um, in my early 20s, I tinkered with being in uh, an EMT, and uh, I still, like, I'm I'm CPR and AED certified. I try and go after all this stuff because I'm calm under pressure, and I have no issue with people who are injured and helping them. So saying I'm not queasy around blood is, is kind of an understatement. Mm -hmm. What was scary was not the blood, but the amount. Mm -hmm. Um. Jen bled a lot and she actually, she hemorrhaged and the crit level, she was two away from a transfusion when it was said and done. And, um, I just really, really wanted it to stop. Right. I really wanted her to stop bleeding. 
Uh, yeah, and and I think what was, I mean, obviously, a hemorrhage can be very scary, and she did lose a lot of blood, and we kind of expected it might happen because her mom um, had blood with her. Right, and what we found out later, though, was that her mom did not have half the amount that Jen went through. Wow. Right. And now I think the scariest part is, yes, there was lots and lots of volume. But I think like what when you were seeing this amount of blood, what was going through your head? So this is the hardest part I had about the whole birth. Um, It took me three days before I could talk about it. And when I did, I was a mess that was heated. I was a hot mess talking about it. And I cried and I was emotional because um, in seeing the amount that was coming out, uh, I was so happy that we had, uh, that Eloise was healthy. She came out, she was healthy. My wife was just a warrior, right? And it changed. It, it changed because I kept seeing the sheer volume and it scared me because I started thinking about the risks involved in giving birth. And um, the more it came out, I had the most selfish moment of my life thinking, um, I'm not willing to trade my everything for Eloise. Jen is my everything. She is what I live for. Um, Somehow, I happen to find the one person that truly gets me. And I found that person throughout the whole world in Jen. And... I had that selfish moment of thinking, man, I am not willing to trade my wife for a child. Like, I I don't want to lose her. And it was hard. I'm tearing up right now thinking about it because it was half the, the thought of losing her, but the other half of why am I so selfish thinking about what just happened and making this about me? And I saw my, my daughter laying on Jen's belly and eventually up to her chest and blood's still coming mm. and still coming and still coming. And uh, everybody trying to clean up, which they don't, they don't clean up. They just put more chucks pads on top. And so every now and again, they would take this handful of like four or five of these absorbent pads filled with blood over to the little disposal can thing and there's a huge trail leading over there and looking underneath the underneath the bed was covered in in blood all over there and uh there's a catch basin underneath and it just kept coming and um i one of the times that you and i talked about it uh over the notes you had talked about and noted that how wonderful it was that the room got quiet and it got peaceful and it was wonderful to see us in that kind of peaceful environment. And my take on that was 180 degrees. I was panicking inside because it was quiet. There was no more hustle and bustle. It looked like uh, I interpreted the nurse and the midwife as uh, addressing a situation. And Mm -hmm. they were both working very quickly, very determined and quietly, very high level of focus. And I was just interpreting that, mixing that with the, um, in myself, not seeing a a birth that, you know, live, not seeing one live and being part of one, um, didn't know a normal level of blood, a little bit more than usual, or um, like, oh my God, 
let's get a crash cart in here. So not having enough information at that point in time and being as ready that I never could have been. Like I never would have been ready for that. Mm -hmm. But going through it, that was the scariest thing I've ever done in my life was seeing Jen go gray and lose color in her mouth and her lips and passing out because of blood loss and then getting up, trying to go to the bathroom and almost, almost passing out in the bathroom. And yeah, that, that was the toughest part. And to this day, it still gets me. It's, Mm. I still think about it uh, probably every other day, every third day thinking about, man, how lucky I am. And it might not be true. I might not be super lucky that everything turned out just fine with an all natural birth and a hospital, but I look at that as lucky because I really was scared. The mm. amount of blood that came out. And I should have spoke up, spoken up. And that was one of the parts that I, I wasn't my usual self. Uh, I usually speak up. I'm not afraid. But I saw that the catch basin underneath the, the bed, probably a good five minutes before you had pointed it out to the midwife. And that's when everybody all of a sudden became on the same page. And I was kicking myself. Like, Why didn't I say that? That's a normal amount. That's all I had to say or point at it and go, that's kind of full. Is that normal too? And although it wouldn't have made a real big difference, I mean, they didn't do anything differently. Jen's fine. Um, it never got out of control. It never spiraled out, out of control. Everything was fine. But holy crap, was it scary. Yeah. And the quiet was so eerie. Yeah. And and I mean, a lot of this conversation that we had before about this um, and was in great part what what sparked this episode, because I wanted to get the information out of like, uh, yes, a lot of blood can be lost. And she did lose quite a bit of blood. I mean, you're talking too correct away from a transfusion. Yeah. But at the same time, the importance of like, of even if you're scared or you see something like that, yeah, speak up because it was, I think, having gotten more information would have made it less scary for you. And like I afterwards felt not knowing that you were going through all this, I felt horrible because you were like having the scariest moment of your life when I was appreciating it as, oh, it's really calm and really nice in here. And the difference <laughs> in perspective is that, You know, I had information that you didn't have in terms of what are the steps that they go through for hemorrhaging. Yeah, and that's big, too, because Jen said I was, she could tell I was nervous, but Mm -hmm. not to the level that I actually was. I tried to hide it as best I can because, you know, why show it at that point in time when there's nothing that can be done about it? Or actually, they are already doing what they need to do about it, I should say. Right. But how you felt about it was really important. Like, if you could have spared you that, right? Beforehand. Knowing that beforehand. In that moment in time, uh, it it wouldn't even have helped if you looked at me and said, this is normal. Okay. That that wouldn't have helped because um, I don't know how graphic you get on your your You can get as graphic as you go. We are graphic. No, like... I'm a doula. Nothing faces me. And listeners, uh, like, like you know, birth is what it is. Yeah, I saw a blood clot come out the size of a Twinkie. Mm-hmm. Like, it, you don't prepare for that. That's Mm-mm. not something that you prepare. And 
yeah, I'm good with blood. I'm good with injury. I can help people with, you know, broken limbs, compound fractures, tears, rips, lacerations, burns, whatever it is. But that's my wife. Yeah. That's the person I love the most. And they can't get her bleeding to stop. And that was scary. Yeah. And And I don't want to. Go ahead. Sorry. And I was looking at Eloise, who's slowly going from this poor little gray pressed through a vagina and, and uterus and all the the little journey that she made slowly coming to life and and gaining color and um becoming this little human being besides just talking about the baby the baby and birth and birth getting that juxtaposed with worrying about losing my wife was mm. incredibly confusing and difficult and that is, I'm not afraid to show emotion. I'm not afraid to talk about stuff. And it took me three days to fully digest what happened, how I felt about it, how it made me feel, how I took, what I took from it, um, the fears that, that went along with it before I could even talk about it. And it was a really cool, intimate moment between uh, myself and Jen and our sister uh, that happened uh, up in our bedroom three days later when we were home finally from the hospital and we were just kind of decompressing because that's what we were doing that's what we needed to do and it came out and I talked about it and Jen knew I was scared but didn't notice the level and it just ever since then every time I talk about it I feel better every time I make mention or or clear the air internally in my own mind about the situation and everything's okay and i have this beautiful little daughter and my wife is in the other room i'm watching god knows what on tv and they're right in there it's comfortable it's fine i've got two dogs here i've got a nice little house and a truck and everything's fine right i live in the suburbs and i don't have anything to worry about but really at, at that point nothing else mattered. Nothing. Not even myself. And I just was so scared. And talking about it helps. And mm. if anybody, I'm, I'm offering it out, if, if anybody needs anything or wants to talk or wants further anything, questions, I'm, I'm here. I'm an open book. Um, it took me a while to talk about this, but man, it helps me. It's so what is it, cathartic to talk about it and to discuss that what happened was a little bit higher than normal. Um, there was a risk of, uh, there were risks, you know, but there were stop gaps in place. She didn't have a transfusion. That would happen before it got too low, you know. So we were pretty far away from any, uh, uh, far from the, the scariest options. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it not knowing right. really did uh, set me up to be blindsided like that. And, you know, what you're describing goes like as you're speaking, because it is sort of a post-traumatic stress experience, right? Um, And and you're processing it. And it's what I keep being reminded of is, you know, traumatic birth experiences that it's always in the eye of the beholder. And yeah. that's one of the things we we say over and over and over again. That might look like a totally normal and wonderful birth to you, 
But if he or she didn't think so, then it wasn't. Because it doesn't matter. It's in the eye of the beholder because you're the one carrying the trauma. And then also the importance of processing that trauma. Yes. Yes. And find somebody that you trust. I trust my sister-in-law implicitly. And she is such a good ear. And she has been over the years. And um, I think we've had a special bond from the time I met her because I met her when she was like 16 or 17 and I treated her like an adult the entire, from the very first second that we met. And she's all, I think she's always respected me for that. And we've had that different kind of a friend relationship rather than mm. uh, family members. So um, we get to talk about stuff without judgment, without, she's part of my family, mm -hmm. you know, and it's more so than just the in-laws, right? She's uh, that term, the in-laws. My in-laws are actually fantastic. <laughs> I got lucky. But uh, the term, the in-laws. And it, it was so wonderful who she is as a person to also come and help us the way that she did. Mm -hmm. And she helped out more than she understands. You know, she helps out. She helped out and uh, physically. Like she came there the, the, that same day. So what, Saturday. And she stayed up all night long all night Saturday night just holding Eloise while Jen and I got sleep and like that's the, who this person is mm -hmm. and she doesn't understand how much she helped me mentally it's huge and that's huge of, of of you yourself realizing that you need to process it being open to process it and then oh. having the right person that won't be that will hold space for that processing without judging or dismissing or trying to fix it yeah especially that last part which i'm a fixer it took me years to figure out that sometimes you just have to listen to somebody and say that yep. sucks yeah <laughs> i mean it really did it took me years to figure that out and she she absolutely did that purpose and it was wonderful yeah and i am in no way in no way trying to minimize what your experience was because it's not about minimizing it I do want to give listeners some knowledge that I wish we I wish I wish you could have had before so that <laughs> it would have been less scary for you um, and you yeah. didn't have to go through all this. But like you said, there are very good stop gaps for hemorrhage in in um, in childbirth in medicine today. And. So, like, there's different levels. Right. So the first level is Pitocin and Pitocin works really, really good. Yeah, like, it does. It, it it goes, it works well, it works quick. Um, and, you know, you can even do like a drip, like I know some groups now that are starting to do a, a Pitocin drip for five hours after birth, if needed. That's what Jen had. Yeah. Yeah. So, so there is, you know, like there's that. There's also, and I think in the case, because in the situation, I don't think, Everyone realized the amount of blood she was losing just because of how things fell underneath the bed. It was kind of yeah. hidden and, and it was like one, you know, there was something off the bed and that got cleaned up. And I don't think everybody saw like there was that, that not the amount wasn't completely realized. Um, another thing, like a second level there that they do in our neck of the woods is then you get misoprostol rectally. So you get this right. pill up your butt. And that works to create contractions and is, is like second level of 
stopping hemorrhaging. Um, there's also then trying to very much like pick what, like identify where the hemorrhaging is coming from. And is it something bigger? Like is something happening to the uterus or is it slowing down or is it stopping? Is it not? Like then the, you start getting into medical levels, which I am not equipped to figure out. But bigger levels of intervention will require like take you to the or do a transfusion. Um, which is super scary. Absolutely. But meaning there are there were still several levels. Yes. Of Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> several levels of safety nets. And yeah. Um it was being there though, seeing yeah. blood come out of a human is tough when it's your human. Oh, huge. Yes, absolutely. And it yeah. is it isn't like even the normal amount that comes out and I should have researched it before we talk because I don't have it off the top of my head and, and mostly is because it's usually spoken in milliliters and I just not <laughs> I don't keep those numbers in my head, but it's a big number of what is considered a hemorrhage like yeah. the normal amount of blood losses and I will I will look it up and put it on the on the blow on the show notes um but it is quite a bit that so and it's and sometimes like different hospitals do different things to try to really measure like that's one of the things that they're always working on trying to improve of figuring out how much blood is lost and one of the like what i've read is the the most accurate way of doing it is taking the pads that you were saying that we're going in the in the trash and weighing mm -hmm. them. Yeah. And then writing down like and, and, and not throwing them away, but putting them all in one place before discarding it. So you can actually like do a total of by weight because it's really hard to approximate what approximate what how much a liquid that is spilled look like, like in terms of quantity. Right. And I don't know, being there, I would have been. Definitely asking questions. Like, what are you doing? Get back over here. She's bleeding. Why are you weighing this claws? Like, what's going on? Right. But, yeah, I mean, it was, there's several safety nets, and it was just tough seeing that. Absolutely. It, it's for sure something to be aware of when you go in, um, that there will be blood. There will be blood. And so hopefully people who are listening to this will have a, better understanding about that or not like if they're feeling something's not completely going right then you know ask about it yes absolutely uh i i wish that i would have asked mm. probably twice two or three times more yeah just as just to get that extra little peace of mind because really not having that peace of mind contributed so much more than just having it mm. i mean it, it just it would have helped a lot mm. And that's on my shoulders for not asking. So please ask. Please ask. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Jeremy, is there anything else that was... Because I think we, we got to the end of the birth and, and we got to the scary, bloody part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, the placenta again, I'm so sorry. Uh, the placenta is amazing. Right. You love I, the placenta. Yeah, I did not up until the moment it came out. So it yeah. was... Jen was telling me about, you know, what some people decide to do with it. And I could not imagine doing most of those things. So for you can me, the whole it, you can eat it. Yeah. You can yeah, just yeah, bury it stuff. underneath a tree. Yeah. 
<laughs> going back to spending a good chunk of my formative years on farms, mm-hmm. seeing afterbirth come out after, say, a calf, and then watching dogs fight over it, and like, mm. there was a lot of just like that's gross, that's disgusting, and this big buildup in my mind. But at the same time, I had to think like, this is coming. My wife built this. Yeah. <laughs> this is feeding my baby. This is turning blood into food, and it's pretending it's lungs and and oh, a stomach and a digestive tract. And it was just a- astonishing what this fully developed organ organ is doing and how a a good chunk of its DNA is my DNA actually mm-hmm. and how that's so cool and thinking about it beforehand I was like oh yeah it's the placenta okay it comes out afterwards you know grand prize is the baby right and that's like whatever it came out and I don't know why but I, I was like I gotta see this thing and I, I leaned up and I was looking at it and then the midwife brought it over you know, after the cord was cut and all that, but she brought it over and we're looking at it, just fascinated. Jen was the same way. She really wasn't that interested in it until we were looking at hers, you know, and it was different. Most of them are shaped like an umbrella with the cord actually coming out of the center and ours were, it was coming off of the bottom, mm-hmm. the, the edge and seeing all the vessels and the, the way it connected and, and how it was, you know, shaped and knowing its function was really cool and seeing the two different sides, you know, because one side really is a a giant wound and the other side is all smooth and jellyfish like. And Jen's was attached to her on the front, which I don't remember that term. So anterior. anterior, Yeah. So we didn't get those cool sweeping like hand marks on the front or like feet. Well, while Eloise was still inside, you know, we got, little bumps and like thumps and pokes but nothing because the placenta was in the way yeah right right there's this huge pillow in the front and so that thing coming out knowing that it was special and that it was in the front and that it had this connection at the bottom and the cord was incredibly long which i don't side note on the cord i didn't want to be the one to separate the mother from the child so actually you cut the cord i didn't cut the cord and I, I was very honored to do so. Yeah, I just didn't. That's been something that I felt that way for ever since I thought about having kids. I did not be the one, want to be the one that separated uh, my wife or my child from his or her mother. And that just wasn't something I was interested in. And so don't feel judged if you do want to no, cut it. Yeah. If you don't want to cut it. It is what it is, and there's no difference. And it happens in like five seconds, and it's over. <laughs> so I don't feel any judgment for that because I've had a couple people. That's that's funny because when you're pregnant, they ask, you know, is it a boy or a girl? Who cares as long as it's you know it's going to be a little human. Uh-huh. Um, as, as long as they're healthy. And then second, are you going to cut the cord? Asking me, anyways, as, as the support person. Isn't that funny? like that's your job you're to job quit the cord (laughs) yeah and most of the people and you get a 50 50 of uh uh, we did we decided not to um know the sex until birth Mm -hmm. and you get a 50 50 split of people that are just borderline appalled like how can you not know the birth what do you know how do you know what to buy like man it's not your kid like yeah it's not about gender and uh, anything on that realm. It's about, I want a healthy baby. I don't 
want to know. It's one of the last cool like surprises that we can have. Uh, there's nothing wrong with gray and green and yellow and putting a boy in blue in pink and a girl in blue. My daughter right now has blue pajamas with a dinosaur on them mm-hmm. from my and... cousin who had a boy. So yeah. I, it, it's just it doesn't matter. Right. But there's also no no nothing wrong with wanting to know either. I think the the wrongness is in the judging of like, are you going to cut the cord? Are you not going to cut the cord? Ah, you should have cut the cord. Are you not finding out who you, it's a boy or a girl and you know, like the sex. Like enough already. It doesn't like, it's your choice. Do whatever you want. But if you do choose to cut the cord, know that it's rubbery. (laughs) That's one thing. You won't get a good bite on it the first time. It looks like. It is rubbery. Um, and then the other thing is about the placenta, right? So, like, if if at the moment that it comes out, you feel like you want to check it out and see it, ask your provider because they will be thrilled to show you and make it inside out and show you the inside part and show you outside and where it attaches and give you all the details because usually they think it's a very cool organ as well. We went to um, – just going to do a quick one. Uh, let's see, but it's a beautiful birth choices mm-hmm. for our class. And I really highly recommend not taking a hospital birth class. Independent um, birth classes is where it's at. <laughs> yeah, get out there. Because we had quite a variety of people. And uh, our, our instructor was Julia, and she killed it. I mean, she put on a great class over and over again. It was enthusiastic, well-organized, just everything you could ask for. Um, and... It, it was so enlighten, enlightening about mm. all the stuff that we talked talked about. But she was a super placenta nerd, and so so was like Joanna, and you you were in that as well. Just this is such a cool piece of overlooked. <laughs> we love our birth. placentas. <laughs> yeah, and it's weird to talk about until you see it, and then you freaking get it, or you don't. It's right. okay if you don't, yeah. but. Give it a look. Like, take a look at it. The thing is cool. Yeah. It, it's it's not like a sponge or something weird. It's it's a full organ that fed the baby. Mm. It's yeah. Awesome. Jeremy, is there yeah. any other thing that we're leaving out before we wrap up? Uh, yeah, the birth plan. Make a birth plan. You're not going to use it. You might not use it. You might use it. I don't know. But what the cool part about the birth plan for us was. Uh, it got us sitting down across the table from each other talking about what both of our expectations were. And it got us on both of us on the same page. Be participatory. Talk to your partner. See what they say. Also have an opinion, but don't make that the dominant one. You know, just talk about it. Um, that's I, when I was in there, uh, the, the timing, like you were saying, the timing is weird, man. The, the birth timing. Um, sometimes it's going really fast. Sometimes it's going really slow. I had time for about a quarter of a cup of coffee. So I should say that the active labor started for us at six, about 6.45 in the morning, Saturday morning. And we went to the hospital at about 8. So there was no time for, for much. And went to the hospital and, you know, triage and getting in the tub and out of the tub and on and getting an IV and all that. So I got a little bit of... of coffee in and I had some of the energy chew stuff and um, you were right there asking if I needed a break or if I needed anything and it was funny because I was running on adrenaline so I really didn't need much but what I thought I would have been able to do was at least 
um, text, send a message, make a phone call saying, you know, Jen's in labor, everything's fine. No, none of that happens. My Uh phone had like 34 messages and (laughs) a couple missed calls and it was just off in the corner, wherever. And I, you just, I didn't have time or want to spend the time to go looking at that Mm -hmm. and, and doing that. I really wanted to be with, with my wife. So, um, I wouldn't recommend trying to do anything else. Uh, maybe there. if, yeah, maybe if you're early labor, if you're there during early labor for some reason, you could maybe have time. But active labor, man, that you know when it's, you'll know. Yeah, you definitely know. Like it, it hits you, and there is no questioning whatsoever. Yeah. So um, if you don't think it is yet, make sure you eat. Make sure you get a nap. Make sure you get, you know, all the things because when it hits, then that's it. <laughs> You're probably yeah, and, in it for long. Yeah. And uh, there's a few other things. Like I did not, don't feel any weirdness or shame or overprotectiveness or anything. When they moved into the recovery room, uh, either her or I were with Eloise the entire time. So she was in our room. <clears throat> the only time I left her side is to get Jen water, juice, or food. Um, they would come and take her and do uh, the, the glucose test. They would, oh, my God, they have to poke her little feet, which, oh, that hurts. And uh, they would have to take her and do tests in the nursery. I went with her. They'll let you go wherever you want. Mm-hmm. It's your baby. You don't have to let them out of your sight. However, if you need a break, if you want a break, take it. You know, they don't judge you for that and at least they didn't for us there was yep. no weird look i it was actually nice because um i went with her to the nursery that evening that night i should say it was like i don't know two three four in the morning and walked with her over to the nursery with the nurse and i don't even remember the test that they were doing but they were they were testing her and i started asking questions and i learned Everything there is about a very small newborn vagina and how to care for it and make sure the proper procedure for changing a diaper, which wasn't in a birth class, that wasn't in, there's no diaper changing class that I know of. It seems to me, I was intimidated because uh, I I didn't have that innate knowledge. It kind of was like, oh, that's a mother kind of thing. Mothers just know how to do it, but (sighs) figure it out. Like that's mm-hmm. if you it's something that you should know and I I I gotta say I've probably changed ninety to ninety five percent of Eloise's diapers before I had to go back to work. Um, I change them as much as I can because it's it's a cool little bonding moment. You know, I clean her up, she gets clean. Mm-hmm. She sometimes we do a little costume change and she gets into some comfy jammies or something. Uh, she doesn't like being on her back, so I get to hold her and she calms down in my arms, which is just just such a good feeling. And it's just some bonding time. She looks at me now. She's a month old and she's like looking at me, making eye contact while I'm changing her. And you know, it, it's it's <laughs> poop, but it's it's kind of half years. Yay. I mean, <laughs> it's not like <laughs> real poop. It it does. It they drink milk for a living. Like that's. It's different. And yeah, it'll really be be poop once she starts eating food. But until then, breast milk poop yeah. is is yeah, just mustardy, seedy kind of thing. Yeah, which sounds weird, but really, it's not. It's not that at all. And 
she just it's cool to be able to bond and have those times because Jen gets it with breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. Like I she can try it. She's not going to get anything from me. So I don't have that kind of, uh, uh, that bonding time where you get to look down and make eye contact and all that. So I decided early on, like, I'll change all the diapers. I'll, I'll do as much of that as I can because I want that time. Like Jen and I, if we argue, really, it's about who who gets to hold her. <laughs> I, I, want I love that we've come full circle to, you know, Jen breastfeeds, you change the diapers. Like you have yeah. your bonding times are different. Um, but yeah, you, that she you does create... the inputs, I do the outputs. Yeah, that's right. Input and output, divide and conquer. Very so cool. So I, I got off track there a little bit. But yeah, the hospital room, the couch sucks. Just make the best of what you can. If you can really have, have outside food brought into you, that's yes. allowed. At least our place, it was allowed. Um, try and have somebody that'll take care of you. And bring you something and then return the favor. You know, I, my uh, brother-in-law, Jen's brother just had a baby in, in, well, his wife had a baby. They had a baby in February and going through it myself. I wish that I would have done more. I wish that I would have um, checked in on it more and mm. brought them more and, uh, you know, was a little bit more participatory because once that happened to me, I really saw that, yeah, you need some help. You're not completely helpless where they talk about it. You know, if somebody's going to offer help, take it and all that. But on the other side, you don't know it until you go through it, how mm. much that means to you. So that's one thing that I'm going to do. If you are listening to this and you don't have, and you're not pregnant or don't have kids or not pregnant yet, or your, your significant other or partner is not pregnant, whatever it is, if you know somebody who had a baby, help them. Mm. And that help them can even be like what my awesome cousin did. And that's, she lives in San Antonio, Texas. And she, she is going to call in a pizza order to be delivered at our house. And she's paying for it. Nice. You know, it, it's, you don't even have to lift a finger really. I mean, you can order what Papa John's on your phone or, or, talk, or whatever it is, but you know, Pitch in a little bit. Just give that little bit of extra oomph. You know, somebody did it for for your parents. Somebody helped your parents out, and somebody's going to help you out when you go through it. So just kind of give back. And that's I wish I would have done that more. And now moving forward, I'm I'm there, man. I'm going to try and help as many people as I can that I know that are having babies. Yes, yes, and you know, like yeah. If somebody help you out, help them out. Like the more, it takes a village. I know it's like the corniest <laughs> phrase, but it's true. So the more we help each other out, the more we help each other out. Like somebody's going to do it for you at some point. Help them out. And it, yeah. it does make such a difference. And what, it, I mean, honestly, what is a large cheese pizza delivered to your, to, to the door? Like 10, 15 bucks? Yeah. Uh, easily, easy. And, and it goes so far when you've been up when you've had like 10 hours of sleep in a week and your schedule's way off, like our schedule was so far off. I did morning, night, day, light. It didn't, did not matter. We were just trying to figure out how to keep this little infant alive. And if a pizza just showed up at our door, even if we had already eaten, that would have been awesome leftovers that we could microwave and not have to cook. And that is such a small little five minutes of your time to do. 
but do it because it, it's such a bang for your buck as far as impact. Oh, I love it. I love it. Jeremy, thank you so much for doing this, for sharing your perspective and all these great tips for, you know, get, just giving your dad's perspective on birth and, and things people should know about. Not a problem at all. It's a wonderful being on the show. Mighty Ones, I love to hear from you. So share with me your thoughts. And if there's a certain topic you'd like to know more about, let me know. Go to birthful.com where you can learn more about me, the show, Patreon member benefits, send me messages and more. I'm also on Facebook or Twitter as at Birthful. So come say hi. This episode was produced by me and made possible by you, the Birthful Patreon supporters, and by the wonderful humans at canvaspeople.com. Don't forget to use the code BIRTHFUL to get a free 11 by 14 canvas. All you pay for is shipping. This is a limited time offer, so go to canvaspeople.com and use the code BIRTHFUL to get yours today. And for even more goodies, go to BIRTHFUL.com to take advantage of the 50% off sale going on through this week on all my stuff. The title song for this podcast is Vive Ace by Kevin McLeod, and the sponsorship song is Air Hockey Saloon by Chris Zabriskie. Find them both at freemusicarchive.org. I'm Adriana Lozada. Please join me next week when I'll be talking to another maternity pro to inform your intuition here at the Birthful Podcast. Thanks so very much for listening. <laughs>